My name is Greg Boyd. I'm the senior pastor here at Wilton Hills Church. It's so good to see all of you here on this uh, beautiful weekend to gather together, hear the word, worship the Lord, and things like that. We're going to be getting into more worship in a little bit. We've got a new worship CD. And that's a good one. 14-song worship CD before the throne. It's $5. And uh, encourage you to pick that up and take it home and listen to it and get blessed by it. Part of the reason we do this is that we're aware of the fact that at least some of the music we do here is not played on the one radio station that we've got here in the Twin Cities. And so it's unfamiliar to a lot of people. So this is a way, it's kind of a teaching tool uh, to get you into uh, worship more readily. Also, Paul and I are going to be doing a Q&A that's focused on the New Age movement. Uh, this uh, uh, Monday, June 2nd, which by the way is my 51st birthday. Yes. Visa and MasterCard accepted. Uh, but... Uh, no, I'm getting old. I'm really getting old. Uh, no heckling in the crowd. But uh, this Q&A, the thing is, as some of you know, there's been a lot of uh, hubbub lately, thanks largely to Oprah Winfrey, who I tend to like a lot. Uh, but she's been promoting very heavily this book by Eckhart Tolle, or Tolle, Eckhart Tolle, on uh, the, the New Earth, which is a real New Age piece of propaganda. I've read the book. I actually wrote a review of the book on my website, if you want to check that out. Um, my own website, but we're going to come and just discuss issues surrounding the New Age. So Paul and I will give a little kind of presentation about what the New Age movement is, kind of mystical Eastern stuff, um, and then come with questions. And we just take questions from the floor and stuff. So uh, come be a part of that. And finally, uh, on June 6th, Friday, June 6th, uh, we're going to have another dance. This one is going to be a fundraiser for uh, a Haitian ministry. Uh, it's going to be a dance at O'Gara's Bar. We're going to invade the bar, take over, and, uh, and uh, really raise some money for, for the Haitian thing. The band that's playing is the famous band Not Dead Yet, uh, which is my own rock and roll band. I'm the drummer, so come out and be a part. We're old, but we're not dead yet. We're happy. We're not dead yet. Happy, happy, happy. I'm not dead yet. For those Monty Python fans, you'll know what I was doing right there. Okay, that should do it. Otherwise, just read the bulletin, uh, pray over all the stuff in the bulletin, and, uh, and be, just be informed of what's going on around here. I want to thank Sandra for the excellent message last week. Stuffication, magnificent. We, we need to hear that. That is just uh, how we get suffocated with stuff. My wife and I, the last several years, have really been more intentional than previously on, on simplicity, just simplifying. And um, just downsizing and doing what we can do. We've really found this to be true in our own life, that all other things being equal, there's no formula here, but there's a principle. And the principle is that it tends to be the case that the more stuff you have and the better your stuff is, the more worry you have, the more anxiety you have, and the more tired you are. And we've just found it to be true. So if you want to like, start losing your worry and anxiety and get a little more energy, start dumping stuff. Uh, live with this motto. This is, work, works for us. If you don't need it, if you really don't need it, then give it away. And, and you'll just find that there's a, something freeing about that. Stuff clutters. And so live in that. If you, did, if you weren't here last week, I encourage you to get the, uh, the, the tape or, or, the, or download it from the uh, website because it's, it's something we need to hear. For this morning, um, I'm going to be giving something here that is, I think... Um, I, I was hovering over the passage that Sandra preached on last week, this whole thing that we've been talking about the last couple of weeks, that whole passage in Luke 12. And um, something caught my attention 
really at the beginning of the passage that Sandra preached on last week that I hadn't noticed before. And I ended up just on Friday taking the message in a very different direction than I had planned. Uh, I meet with a team that kind of lays out what we should talk about. And so I notified my team on Friday, man, I'm really going in a different direction. I'll cover all the good stuff that we talked about next week. This week, I'm going to talk about something else because I noticed something I hadn't noticed before. It caught my attention. Um, And this is a topic that is a passion of mine. I sprinkle it in uh, here and there with some regularity, especially the last four years has been a passion of mine. I've spoken on this topic before, but not recently, and I've never packaged it like I'm packaging it uh, this morning. Um, It is a topic that I believe while it will sound odd to those who have never heard it before, um, it is foundational, I believe, to everything. Um, it's especially crucial to us in America who tend to compartmentalize everything. So our spiritual life and our ordinary life are not very much connected. It's, 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 urgent, it's a topic I think is urgent for us. And yet it's a topic that I, at least, have never heard preached on outside of Woodland Hills Church. Uh, it's just it's systematically ignored. The topic, in a nutshell, is this. That we are to be a people who aspire to, at all times, in all places, in all circumstances, moment by moment, remain aware of and surrendered to the presence of God. The presence of God is not something we're we're to enter sometimes and not other times. It's something we're to live in. Uh, We say things like, you know, God is really present in this room. We feel the presence of God. I hope you feel the presence of God. Some, some people here probably do. And that happens in worship. But that is really a change in our awareness about God's presence. God was already present here. You see? He's always present here moment by moment. And that's what I want to speak on. It's about a call to remain aware of and submitted to God's presence on a moment-by-moment basis. I want to entitle this message, Taking Off the Headphones, for reasons that I hope will become clear here in a moment. Here's the passage. It's Luke chapter 12, uh, verses 11 and 12. And I'm reading out the TNIV version. This is really the passage that connects the the passage that I spoke on a couple weeks ago with the passage that Sandra taught on uh, last week. And it says this. Jesus says to his disciples, when you are brought before synagogues and rulers and authorities, because you're going to be persecuted and put to death. He doesn't say if. Notice that. Expect this. When you are brought before synagogues, rulers, and authorities. Do not worry about how you will defend yourself or what you will say. Don't think about that. For the Holy Spirit will teach you at that time what you should say. Pray with me here for a moment. Lord, I ask that you help me stay present in this message, aware of your presence in this message. I pray, God, you help all of us stay aware of your presence in this message, whether these are folks in the auditorium or those who are listening through a podcast or on the CD. Lord, wherever they're doing, whatever they're doing right now, help them be aware of your presence and and give us all receptive minds and hearts to receive this word in a way that we won't forget it, because forgetting it is the main obstacle that we're up against. Let your truth go forward, infuse it with your authority, build your kingdom in our lives. We surrender to you in Jesus' name and all surrendered people said, amen, amen, amen. Amen. Lord, help me stay present. We saw at the beginning of Luke chapter 12 that Jesus uh, began to teach his disciples 
not to worry about their life. Don't worry about those who can kill your body. That's going to happen. Uh, but God loves you. Um, he, you know, the hairs of your head are numbered. You're a lot more valuable than sparrows. So don't sweat that. What you should really worry about, we saw in the last couple of weeks, is uh, you should worry about what he calls the yeast of the Pharisees, which is hypocrisy. Guard against, be vigilantly on guard against the tendency to reduce your walk with God down to an empty shell where you, you, you say certain religious things and maybe you do some religious deeds, but it doesn't get into the core of your being. Avoid having any duplicity between your outside and your inside. That's what you got to guard against. That's, that's, that, that's spiritual cancer that will kill you. What Jesus is saying now is this. To his disciples, he's saying, let that be true. Let that be true even when you're facing persecution and death. Guard against duplicity even when you're facing persecution and death. What he's saying is that even when you're facing persecution and death, don't worry about your life. What you ought to be concerned with is what does God want to say through you? How does he want to use you? He'll give you the words to say if you are open to receiving it. It's an incredible teaching, an incredible teaching. Because it means that Jesus is saying that Whatever the situation is, we should be aware of and surrender to the Holy Spirit even when we're facing death. Now, honestly, I, I don't think I would be in that situation. I don't think I'd be in that frame of mind. I think I, like most people, if I'm facing death, torture, and things of that sort, I'd be very worried about my life. My mind would be full of internal chatter. Oh my gosh, I'm going to die. wonder how. Uh, why didn't I fill out my living will? God. Uh, you know, things of, I, I would be very concerned with it. And see, in that frame of mind, I wouldn't be listening to the Holy Spirit. I wouldn't be aware of the Holy Spirit. That wouldn't be my most kingdom moment. And God probably couldn't get a word in edgewise if he wanted to, and he probably would want to, but he wouldn't get a word in edgewise because my mind would be so cluttered with my own self-talk, my self-preservation, defending myself. How can I get out of this? And I think we're all pretty much in that same boat. A couple weeks ago, I was up in my room doing some studying or reading or writing or something, and, and uh, Shelly was downstairs in the kitchen, and uh, I had a question, and I forget what the question was, but I wanted to ask her this question, but I'm 51 almost, and, and getting up out of a chair isn't as easy as it used to be, so I'm getting lazy, so I just hollered, as I sometimes do, honey, I can hear you down there, can you hear me, I got a question, and she didn't, she didn't respond. So I hollered a little bit louder. She still didn't respond. So I grunt as I get out of my chair and say, ah, I gotta go down and ask her this question. Walking down the stairs, I go, Shelly, what are you, deaf? And she still didn't answer, and I can hear her right around the corner. But then when I turn the corner, I see her doing something with the pots and pans, but she's got these headphones on and she's listening to her iPod. And she's just like, singing away, which totally explains why she couldn't hear me. Uh, the noise in her headphones drowned out my voice. That is exactly what we do much of the time. Our internal mental chatter is like headphones that we wear, and God can't get a word in edgewise. We're so obsessed with our daily routine, what we got to do, what we got to accomplish, thinking about the past, thinking about the present. We're not in the now, and we're not aware that God is present, and we're not attentive to what the Holy Spirit might want to be saying to us. What Jesus is saying in this passage, and it's, it's a radical teaching, 
But it ought to be the norm for kingdom people is that even when we're facing persecution and death, take your headphones off and be listening and be attentive and be aware. Don't worry about dying. Yeah, it's going to happen, but God loves you. Don't sweat that. What you need to be aware of, the one, your focus even then should be, Lord, you're present now. What would you have me to do? What would you have me to say? Walking with God on a moment-by-moment basis. We're to hold on to our life so loosely and be so surrendered to the kingdom so thoroughly that even when our life is on the line, we're more concerned with hearing and obeying God than we are with preserving our life. That's, folks, that's the radical kingdom. That's what we signed up for. Uh, We often don't uh, realize just how radical this thing is, but it is a radical, radical kingdom. Now, I want us to think about this, and it becomes even more radical. If that is true when we're facing death, how much more true is it when we're not? If we're to be aware of God's presence and surrender to God's presence, even in moments when we're facing persecution and death, well, how much more should we be aware of and surrender to God's presence when we're just going about our ordinary life? The, the implication of this passage is this. Jesus is saying, don't let your mind be cluttered with your own agendas and plans and schemes to the point where you can't hear me when you're facing death. Therefore, don't let your mind be so cluttered that you block out the presence of God and block out the voice of God when you're getting out of bed in the morning. And don't let your mind be so cluttered that you block out the presence of God and block out the voice of God when you're mowing the lawn or doing the dishes. And don't, be so, don't let your mind be so cluttered. Don't, don't, don't be wearing those headphones and having the volume turned up so loud that you're blocking out the reality of God's presence and blocking out the voice of God when you're going to work or when you're preparing a sermon or when you're giving a sermon or when you're listening to a sermon. Always be aware that God is present there and be listening to his voice, paying attention to his will. What what, what the passage reveals is that the norm for a follower of Jesus, the, the, the goal we're to strive for is to remain attentive to the Holy Spirit on a moment by moment basis at all times and all places. Because the reality is that we are at every moment of our life, we always have been and always will be, surrounded by, engulfed in the presence of the Almighty God right now, this moment, Whether you're in this auditorium or whether you're listening in some other way, you are surrounded by the presence of God. You are submerged in the ocean of God's love this very moment, right now. And the only question is, do you remember that? Remembering that changes everything. Forgetting that changes everything. Are we aware of that and are we surrendered to that? Uh, This sounds very odd and unusual to most Western Christians because we haven't heard this before, but there's a long church tradition uh, that, that has, has advocated this. And, and it's usually called practicing the presence of God. Practicing the presence of God. Brother Lawrence uh, was a 17th century monk who wrote a book, uh, or at least his writings were collected in a book called The Practice of the Presence of God. It's a very famous book, a little short thing. Another one who wrote on this with a, was a 20th century missionary, uh, Frank Laubach, who was uh, a missionary to the Philippines in the 20th century, wrote some very helpful, insightful, and practical stuff on training our mind to be perpetually aware of the presence of God. Uh, another one is Jean-Pierre uh, Cassade, uh, a Catholic priest in the 17th century who, who, uh, uh, whose reflections were collected after his death in, in a work called uh, The Sacrament of the Present Moment. Uh, Frank Laubach and uh, Brother Lawrence, uh, both of their works are found in this new collection, which is really good. It's it's a much better read than all the older versions of of Brother Lawrence's work, especially. Uh, It's called Practicing His Presence. 
And it's a very short book, very readable, uh, but it's, it's powerful. I encourage you to check that out. And uh, Kassad's, uh, De Kassad's work is The Sacrament of the Present Moment. And it's found in this little thing. And I don't endorse, I don't endorse all the theology found in these books, but all three of these authors, and I, we could name others, but these three authors just nail the importance and significance of, of training our mind to habitually be aware of the presence of God. It is, they all say, to be our, the central quest of our life moment by moment. Uh, Frank Laubach uh, said this. This was the question he wanted to spend the rest of his life answering. Can I bring the Lord back into my mind flow every few seconds so that God will always be on my mind? I choose to make the rest of my life an experiment in answering that question. That's the challenge on the table, folks. The challenge of this message is can we make our life an experiment moment by moment in answering the question, how much, how thoroughly can we live awake to God's presence and surrender to God's presence moment by moment? De Kassad called this the duty of the present moment or the sacrament of the present moment. Uh, because when you realize that your main duty in any moment is to be aware of God's presence, uh, then that, that moment becomes a sacrament. It becomes a sacred moment, however trivial it might all otherwise be. He says this, I will devote myself exclusively to the duty of the present moment, which is first and foremost to love God, then to fulfill my obligations and to let your will be done. The, the most important goal of every moment of our life is to make it a kingdom moment, which means we consciously enthrone him as king over that moment. And all these authors, all three, testify about how when we learn to walk with that frame of mind, and it doesn't happen overnight, uh, it, it's, it, it's, a, it's a difficult challenge that we embark on, and, and it takes our life training to do this, although some have breakthroughs like these folks didn't say that they, they, it becomes a habit to them. I haven't gotten there yet. But... Uh, when we do this with some regularity, it changes everything. It changes the way you look at the world, the way you experience people. It changes what you see. Your awareness completely changes. And they all say that it is the most fundamental key to entering into the full reality of the kingdom. It's the key to entering into the peace and the joy and the power and the love, the Christ-like transformation of the kingdom. We are as transformed, they say, as we are walking moment by moment aware of his presence. We are as not transformed as we're not walking aware of his presence. And so Frank Laubach says this at one point, this simple practice, it's so simple, just right now, be aware that God is present. It's so simple. It requires only a gentle pressure of the will. What he means is that you do have to decide. It just, it just requires a gentle pressure of the will, a choice. I want to be aware of God's presence this moment. And now you make the choice in the next moment. So there's a, 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 a decision you make. It's very small, and yet it grows easier as the habit becomes fixed. Yet it transforms life into heaven, because you're bringing the kingdom down to earth moment by moment. Everybody takes on a new richness, and all the world seems tempted with glory. And the whole world is filled with your glory. That doesn't have to be an occasional experience that we have. It's, it can be something that we, walk, that we walk in, says Frank Laubach. The joy which I have within, he says, cannot be described. Uh, all three of these authors, as I said, had a breakthrough where uh, it, this became sort of a, 
their, their ordinary mindset, their ordinary consciousness. I will confess to you that I have been aware of this practice and have, have with varying degrees of intensity, practiced this for over 20 years, maybe 23 years when I first read Brother Lawrence, and I have not had a breakthrough. This is still a difficult challenge uh, for me, probably because I'm ADD and I have trouble focusing on anything for more than a few seconds, let alone including God in that awareness. It's a real challenge. But I can testify that, that when I'm able to do this and, and, and as I learn to cultivate this more thoroughly, moment by moment, it does change the way you look at things. Having a conversation. It makes a world of difference whether you're talking to this person as though God didn't exist or whether you're talking to this person with the awareness that God does exist. Uh, you see things you didn't see before. It expands your heart. I'll say more about that at the end of this message. Now, I'm aware that if you haven't heard me say these things before, uh, and I've never quite packaged it like I just did, this sounds maybe crazy, crazy, radical, uh, something that maybe super saints would do, but not average people. Uh, come on. Um, how can you really expect us moment to moment to incorporate God into our awareness, it sounds absolutely, utterly, completely, unfathomably, ridiculously impossible. I submit to you that if it sounds like that, and it probably does, it is because we are so thoroughly brainwashed into an atheistic way of looking at the world. We are culturally conditioned to exclude God from our awareness. Our natural is not natural. Our natural our default awareness setting is determined by, uh, you know, the, the culture, the commercials, the, everything that, 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 we, that we're bombarded with day in and day out so that we walk with a secular frame of mind. We learn how to live as, fu as functional atheists. For most people in the West especially, if God were to disappear somehow, if God were to vacate the premises or die or stop existing, most people wouldn't, aware, uh, wouldn't notice it. Because God just isn't a part of their day-to-day -day living. They may believe in him, but he, they're not walking with an awareness of him on a moment-by-moment -moment, uh, basis. We're conditioned to live as though God did not exist, which is why we're conditioned to be Lord of our own life. We say he's Lord of our life, but most of the moments of our life are ours. We lord over our own moments. We have our, our own agendas and our own plans, and, and our, our thought is full of mental chatter. We've got our headphones on. And so this teaching strikes us as being outlandishly impractical. As a matter of fact, I want to I suggest to you that it's incredibly practical, practical very difficult, because we're swimming upstream against all of the habitual thought patterns we've had and cultivated throughout our life. But this is, in fact, something that all followers of Jesus are called to practice, to aspire towards. And to make that point... I'm going to just bring out eight facts of the New Testament. This practice is, I believe, woven into the very fabric of the New Testament. We just miss it because we're so conditioned to compartmentalize our spiritual life from our ordinary life. We're so conditioned to live as functional atheists, we don't notice this. Once I call our attention to it, I think you'll see that it's obvious. But follow me on this. Okay, so eight quick facts in the New Testament that show us that we need to remember to cultivate an awareness of God's presence and to surrender that to that presence on a moment-by-moment -moment basis. Fact number one, and I've mentioned this uh, frequently here at Wilderness Hills Church because I think it's so foundational, but we can't hear this too much because we forget this, and remembering is the all-important challenge here. We are, of course, we are, of course, in the New Testament called 
to submit our life to Jesus Christ. That's what it means to be a follower of Jesus. That's what it means to be Christian. That's what it means to be saved, right? And so the entrance into the Christian life is usually regarded to be a prayer where you confess Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. And for him to be Lord means you're submitted to him. That's what the meaning of Lord is. The problem is this, that very frequently, if not usually in our cultural context, people pray that prayer, the sinner's prayer, as soon as they're done, they put their headphones back on. And they're back in their head with all the mental chatter. And so all the subsequent moments of their life after they make that pledge are their own. They pledge their life to Christ, but all the moments still belong to them. Um, and they're preoccupied with their own concerns and their own worries and making their own plans and their own agendas. And, and they're defined in any given moment by the chatter in their head about what's going on in their physical environment. They profess to submit their life to Christ but very few moments of their life are actually submitted to Christ. Now follow this. Here's what we need to realize. The pledge to submit our life to Christ isn't the life we pledged to submit to Christ. Follow that? The life we pledged to submit to Christ is the life we've lived moment by moment after we made that pledge. Because the only life we have to submit to Christ is the life we live moment by moment. Because your life, real life, is nothing other than a series of moments strung together. To submit our life to Christ and not submit moment to moment is a theoretical submission. It's an abstract submission. There's no content to it. The life we pledged to surrender to Christ is the life we have right now. This is the only real life you have right this moment. So the question, the important question isn't, did you once upon a time surrender your life to Christ? That's not the important question. That's past. Nor is the important question, will I submit to Christ five years from now? The only question is, as Kassad says, Dick Kassad says, that the present is all that matters because it's the only thing that's real. Are we surrendered this moment? Is this moment a surrendered moment? Are we yielding to the presence of God this moment? It's the only question worth asking. Can, can you see that submitting our life to Christ means submitting on a moment-by-moment -moment basis? This is what it means. And yet we saw, it's obvious really, but we so often miss that. We compartmentalize it. The prayer we prayed is completely not integrated into the life we live. And yet the prayer we prayed is to live a certain kind of life. Do you see what's wrong with this picture? Secondly, second like New Testament fact. We're called to live in the Spirit and to be led by the Spirit. But to live in the Spirit means we don't just visit the Spirit, we live in the Spirit. And the only life we have to live in the Spirit is the, is the one that we live moment by moment. So to live in the Spirit means you're attuned to the Spirit on a moment by moment basis. And to be led by the Spirit means you're led by the Spirit on a moment by moment basis. Whatever else you're doing in your life, and there's a lot of things we need to do, there needs to be a part of our awareness that incorporates the Holy Spirit. God is present right now, and we say, Lord, what is your will? You can't be led by the Spirit on the basis of what he told you yesterday or 20 years ago. That's not being led by the Spirit. That is to have once been led by the Spirit, but it's not to be led by the Spirit. Nor can you be led by the Spirit on the basis of what you think he's going to do tomorrow or 20 years from now. The only leading that counts is the leading right now, which means we're submitted right now which means we're aware of his presence right now. Number three, as we all know, we're called to seek first the kingdom of God. Matthew 6, Luke 12, and other places to teach us this. 
The reign of God, which is all the kingdom of God means, the reign of God, submission to God, is to be the highest priority of our life. But to make him the highest priority of our life isn't to make him the highest priority in a certain prayer or in a certain moment on a certain day 20 years ago. No, if he's first in our life, he's first now. That's the meaning of the term. We can't seek him first and then seek other things first and think that we're still seeking first the kingdom of God. To put him first means that, as De Kassad says, he is the goal, the primary goal of every moment. Now, of course, there's other things we've got to do moment by moment. Around the house and, and, and having a job and having recreation and talking to people, there's a lot of things we do in life uh, and a lot of goals that we have in life, fine, but the primary goal of all goals, the purpose for all goals is to make them kingdom goals, to incorporate God into them, to seek first the kingdom of God, making, God, making awareness with God on a moment-by-moment basis the highest priority of every moment. The kingdom, folks, really is that radical. Number four, listen to this one. We are called to abide. Jesus tells us to abide in him. We're called to abide in Christ. The term abide in Greek means, it means to take up permanent residence, to live there. So we are called to live in Christ. And in case there's any confusion over it, Jesus gives us a real good analogy. He says that as the the vine is attached to the branch, or we might say better, as the branch is attached to the tree, that's how we're to be attached to Christ. We're to abide in him. The way a tree, uh, the way a branch is attached to a tree trunk, that's the way we're to be attached to Christ. He's, the way the tree trunk is the source of life to the branch, that's how Christ is to be the source of life uh, to us. Now, a branch doesn't visit a tree once in a while. Hey, do you mind if I just kind of attach to you right now and just you know, get some life from you and then go its own merry way? No, that's a dead branch. It doesn't work like that. To be a branch means you're permanently attached to the tree. That's how we're to be associated with Christ. We don't visit Christ once in a while. We're to be living in Christ. Wherever we go, we're in Christ. Whatever the circumstances are, we're to be in Christ. Whatever's happening on around us, we're to be in Christ. Whatever else we need to be thinking about, we're to be aware that we are in Christ. We're to live in him. And uh, not just visit him in special prayer moments or in special worship services. Fifth, we're called, Paul says, to pray continually. Nonstop, without ceasing, it says. Now, most of us, let's be honest, we, we talk to God when we pray. But then we talk to ourselves only the rest of the time. We got our mental chatter going on. We put our headphones on. And what Paul is saying here, and it is as radical as can be, but man, this just transforms everything, is to start to collapse the compartmentalization between our prayer time and worship time on the one hand and our quote-unquote ordinary time on the other and to make all of our ordinaries prayer times and worship times. To integrate awareness of God, surrender to God, worship of God, talking to God into everything else we do. Frank Lawbach says, learn how to make your thought process a conversation with God. Just, just include him into it. Start thinking in terms of a we. What should we do? Uh, and inv- invite him into that. Now, if you say that out loud, people are going to think you've you know, got multiple personality disorder or whatever, but who cares what people think? Uh, incorporate God into everything. Brother Lawrence says this, my set times for prayer, because he was a monk and they had to pray five times a day, uh, those pr- times of prayer are exactly like the rest of the day to me. They are but a continuation of the same exercise of being in God's presence. Now, Brother Lawrence uh, is, yeah, I, I'm no Brother Lawrence. And so, you know, this is maybe the, uh, a testimony of someone who's really arrived at this. I find I still really, really need, and I suspect most of us do, set aside times where I can focus only on God 
and concentrate on God. And, 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 and so I, I, I will never minimize special prayer times or worship times. But on the other hand, I totally get that I need to be aware of God. I, I'm not always concentrating only on God. I got to focus on other things as well. But I want to include him as a part of my awareness. And so I want to start tearing down that compartmentalization between my prayer time and my quote-unquote ordinary time. Brother Lawrence found uh, his job in the monastery was to wash dishes, and he hated that job. He just hated it. But he learned how to turn that into a sacred moment by offering it up to God. And by being continually aware of God's presence and and including God into his thought process as he was doing the dishes, he he, he found that that became a, a, a sacrament, an act of worship, a time of prayer that had as much value and beauty and power as any of the special times of prayer. And so it is when we're mowing the lawn or taking a shower or going grocery shopping. We bring the sacred into the ordinary by being aware of God's presence at all times. Six, we're called to take every thought, every thought captive to Christ. That's what the Bible says. That's what Paul says in 2 Corinthians 10.5. Every thought. Now, I don't know if you've noticed it or not, but you're always thinking. You can't help yourself. Your brain is a ceaseless chatterbox. If you don't believe that, go in the bathroom, turn off the lights, and listen. And I will guarantee you, you won't go 10 seconds without your brain starting to yap. How are you doing? What am I doing this for? This is dumb. All right, we'll start talking to you. <laughs> now, Paul says, make every thought captive to Christ. I, you know, that can only be done if we're always aware of Christ because the thought is always going on. Now, don't hear me saying this, and now start to get obsessed with your thoughts. <laughs> Is every thought a Christ thought? That's the wrong focus. Don't, don't turn your attention inward. Turn your attention right here all around you. And by being aware of God's presence, you will find that by doing that, it's simply a little pressure of the will, a little choice to remain aware of God's presence, you are thereby enthroning Christ over all your thoughts. Insofar as he is in any given moment, Uh, Lord of your life, he's Lord of your thoughts. And then you will easily notice things that you're thinking and feeling that aren't consistent with the kingdom, and you just let those go. Don't get all weird and perseverate on them. or Just let it go and remain aware of God's presence. It has a way of purging our thoughts. Seventh, we're called to be the body of Christ. Paul says in a number of places, Christ is the head, we are the hands, we are the mouth, we are the feet, etc., etc., etc. But folks, what good is it to have a part of your body not attached to your body? Not much. I mean, honestly, if your fingers visited your hand once in a while and then visited attention to the head once in a while, they wouldn't be very good fingers. In fact, do you ever find that parts of your body do that? It's like they just decide to check out. You go to, you go for, you go to stand up and you're like, like this, you know, because your foot's asleep. Bad foot. foot. Feet aren't supposed to do that. Uh, well, that's what we do when we check out. When we check out and just go secular, go functional atheist, exclude God from our awareness, we're, we're a, a hand or a finger or a foot or a nose or whatever part of the body you are, but you've fallen asleep because you're not listening to the head. You're not attached to the head. To be part of the body means moment by moment we're to be aware of our, our head and listening to our head and surrounded by God's presence. And finally, number eight, we're called to be attentive soldiers. One of my favorite verses in the Bible, Paul says, 2 Timothy 2.4, The good soldier does not become overly preoccupied with civilian affairs because he's a soldier, but rather is always seeking to please his commanding officer. Now, a a soldier will do some civilian affairs. A soldier has to go to the market. A soldier has to take care of ordinary duties. But Paul is saying don't become so defined in any given moment, so preoccupied and obsessed in any given moment with the civilian affairs 
that you forget that your main job is to please your commanding officer in every moment. Keep your walkie-talkie on. Consecrate part of your awareness, whatever else you're doing, to include God in it, your commanding officer in it. Uh, we are soldiers stationed behind enemy lines, and our job is to please our commanding officer. And that's not something we do once and then forget about it and do secular the rest of the time. It's something we're to incorporate into every moment of our life. The call to remain aware of and surrender to God's presence moment by moment, it permeates the entire fabric of the New Testament. This is not just a super saint discipline. This is an ordinary, average follower of Jesus discipline. It's radical to us because we are brainwashed into secular world. We're brainwashed into atheist world. We're brainwashed into God has vacated the premise world. And this is a challenge to say, start confronting that moment by moment. When we do that, as these authors all testify, it changes everything. It completely changes everything. You see the world, as Frank Laubach said, you see the world very differently when you look at it through the lens of God's love than when you look at it through the lens of secular world. When we are living our life moment by moment, completely obsessed with our internal chatter, what am I going to do? Why, why did that person say that? Why did they give me that look? What am I going to do? What about this? How am I going to do it? Blah, blah. If that totally defines our awareness in any moment, well then, when we look at the world, we're looking through the filter of that chatter. We're, we're pollu- our, our perception of people and the world and things is, is polluted by our own internal stuff. But when we can just quiet our minds and include an awareness of God's presence in any given moment, just watch how that changes things. Um, Lord, help me stay present right now. And as I'm present, you see the world a little differently. When we're walking with our own internal chatter pollution, self-focused past and future attention pollution, then we usually see things and we see people in functional terms. What use can I put them to? But when we can stop that and see the world through the lens of God's love, we see the, the intrinsic value of people and the intrinsic value of things. And, and there can be times, at least, where you see the glory of God that we sang about earlier, permeating the world. Um, it, it, it just changes the atmosphere of the world you live in when you're aware of God's presence. Try that. It, it, it expands your, your awareness. Uh, Frank Laubach said, said this, some people have compared remaining aware of God's presence to getting out of a dark prison, the prison of our yapping self-focused, past and future-focused brain. We get out of a prison and we begin to live. We still see the same world, yet it's not the same. It has, a, it has a new glorious color or tint and a far deeper meaning. You see the world differently. You're going grocery shopping and you come to the checkout clerk and 400 people have been through that checkout line earlier this day and to every one of those 400 people, that checkout clerk was just a checkout clerk. She was a means to the end. She was a, a tool that had to be used in order to get their groceries. That's what she was. They didn't look at her. They didn't see her. But if you're aware of God's presence, you see her not primarily as a checkout clerk, but primarily as a person who's made in the image of God, a person for whom Jesus died. And that frees you to see something others haven't seen. You see her intrinsic worth, her intrinsic beauty. Uh, you begin to bless her. You agree with God that she was worth dying for. You notice her name, uh, her name tag, and you call her by name. First one maybe who did that that day. And, and the way you look at her is different. You, your eyes have caring eyes, and the tone of your voice is tender, unlike other people's uh, tone of voice. And she may not be processing this on a conscious level, but you are doing the kingdom in that moment. The kingdom is happening in that moment, and the kingdom is impacting her in that moment. I honestly believe that it's the small 
the, the, the small awareness, moment-by-moment moment awareness, and the small kingdom acts that we do moment-by-moment moment that is the primary thing that builds the mustard seed kingdom, far more than the magnificent events that we put on or the great revivals that we have. It's the kingdom people it, permeating their ordinary world with the kingdom world and bringing the, pulling the beauty of God into it just by being aware that the beauty of God surrounds us at every moment. You see the world very differently. You're now living in love as Christ loved you and gave his life for you. Uh, you live in love. You don't just visit love. You're living in love. You, you see the world differently, intrinsic value. Of, of animals, of creation, you just see things differently. Insignificant things take on a significance when you're remaining mindful of the presence of God. It tends to fill you with, with, with peace. When you walk with an awareness of God's presence, it tends to fill you with peace. Uh, most of our, in fact, I would say all of our anxiety is due to our internal chatter, our headphones. We talk ourselves into tizzies. Rather than waiting for the future to be bad, we experience the pain of a bad future in the present. That's all worry is, anticipating worst possible case scenarios in the present. And we just talk ourselves into a tizzy. Uh, when you can be aware of God's presence, it tends to minister a peace. And that doesn't mean that you all of a sudden don't care anything about the future, because we've got to make plans and anticipate things. And yeah, that's normal. But when we can do that in the context of an awareness of God's presence, there's a peace that passes all understanding. Frank Laubach said this, Worries have faded away like ugly clouds, and my soul rests in the sunshine of perpetual peace. I can lie down anywhere in this universe bathed around by my Father's Spirit. The very universe has become or seems so homey. I'm at home here. Because wherever I am, God is present, and if I'm aware of that, I'm at home. We're to live in Christ. Wherever we go, we have a home around us, as it were, and it's called being in Christ. I sometimes, especially in stressful situations or where I'm inclined to be nervous, where I feel alienated, and I feel alienated a lot. I, I, I've always felt kind of like an alien. But when I can I, I imagine the presence of Christ around me, it's like a bubble. I'm surrounded in a bubble. And wherever I go, I'm at home because the presence of God is there, and there's a warmth and there's a peace. And when we can do that, as we do that, moment by moment, you'll find that you become more and more aware and surrender to and yielding to the Spirit of God. You're, you're now becoming pliable in His hands. You'll notice promptings, nudges, thoughts, words, pictures that the Spirit has given you that He wants you to act on. Whereas we drowned all that out if we're cluttering up our brain only with our self-focus, our past focus, our future focus, and not aware of God's presence in the moment, we drowned all that out. When you're, when you're listening, when you're attentive, uh, you, you'll find that, that you now can feel the little nudges. And you don't always know whether is this me or is this the Holy Spirit, but it doesn't matter because if it's a kingdom thing, do it anyways. But you'll, be, you'll find that there's just a much greater sensitivity to the gentle word, the whisper, the nudge of the Holy Spirit. Again, Frank Lullabach said this. He goes, I, I now have the mind bent to respond to Jesus Christ as a violin responds to the bow of the master. So gentle, just so... Can you sense the presence leading here or there? You'll notice things you never noticed before. People who need help, you say blessings. You're just, you're waking up to the needs around you. And there is no joy like the joy of being used in the moment without overthinking anything. And that you spontaneously respond in that moment to that need with a kind word, a kind gesture, a prayer, or maybe a sacrifice. Uh, it just gives joy to you. The, the, the last week, Shelly and I were uh, at a store and... Uh, a lady up uh, ahead of us in line was, was um, uh, apparently she didn't have enough in her account for her credit card or her debit card or whatever she was using. And, and this poor lady, she spoke very little English, uh, but she was really distraught uh, trying to talk to the clerk, uh, explaining what was wrong. 
And then she would take out some of the items in her bags, and then they'd run the cart again, and she still didn't have enough, so she'd take out some more items. And, and she was just really uh, getting stressed about this, embarrassed. People in line are getting mad. You know, What's taking so long? Some people are going to the other line. But I, know, I, I noticed her, and the minute I did, I really felt the Lord saying, cover this. Uh, uh, take care of my child. And so I just stepped up, and, and I just said to her, would you mind if I put it on my card? Uh, and she didn't know what I said, but she was watching what I, what I was doing. And then she was like, I can't repay. Can't, can't, you know, how, how do I do this? And I said, don't worry. God loves you. You're a child of God, and, and it's my, my pleasure. And the, and, and the clerk there looked kind of weird, like I was doing something illegal. Like, like <laughs> I'm not sure this is right. It's, it's okay. You know, this. But see, that, that, there's a, that lady got blessed, but the blessing was on Shelly and I. What a joy. Just to be able to do that. It's just like, wow, that, that's... But see, I can easily imagine. I mean, I wonder how many times I have... Missed opportunities like that because I'm in my own agenda, uh, with my own plans, my own self-chatter. You don't notice stuff. Our self-focus blocks us from the, the world going around, the, the, the presence of God around us and the needs around us and the voice of God around us. What Jesus is saying in this passage that we're looking at is even when you're facing death, don't, don't block out the Spirit. Don't block out the presence of God. Rather, remain sensitive. Folks, this is what it means. This is what it means to be surrendered to Christ. This is what it means to be led by the Spirit. This is what it means to live in the Spirit. This is what it means to seek first the kingdom of God, moment by moment. This is what it means to abide in Christ and to take every thought captive. This is what it means to pray continually. This is what it means to be the body of Christ. And this is what it means to be an attentive soldier. And Jesus is saying that even when you're facing death, have in the forefront of your mind, not protecting yourself, not living, not surviving, not your own self-chatter, take the headphones off, and have at the forefront of your mind this question, Lord, I know you're here. What would you have me say? What would you have me do? That's the challenge, and it's a magnificent challenge. It's a lifelong challenge. Let me leave you with three very quick tips on this. Um, and there's a lot of other things I could say, but here's the three that I think are the most important. Number one, if you're going to embark on this, and I really encourage you to do it, I guarantee you that you will forget to do this within a minute. And you'll forget about the whole discipline within a day unless you take some things to guard against it. We're so brainwashed in secular world. So tip number one is include someone else in on this journey. Find someone else who will do it with you. Explain to them what this is about. Maybe read the books together and just say, well, you, let's help one another do this. Everything in, the, everything in the kingdom is done. It works better if you do it in community, even this. And so have a person who... When you're forgetting, they're remembering. When they're forgetting, you're remembering. And you can ask one another, are you present? How to go today? You can give each other tips. You can give each other encouragement and advice. Uh, in our small group, we've been you know, talking about this. And sometimes we send each other text messages. Are you present? You know, how's it going today? Uh, and more often than not, it's like, oh, I, the last four hours, I totally forgot. You know, I totally forgot. But thanks for reminding me. And this is not nagging one another. It's about encouraging one another and helping one another. Secondly, think about putting post-it notes up. Or one person last service recommended having your friend put post-it notes up and changing them all the time because otherwise they become wallpaper and you don't notice it. But on your rearview mirror, on the, on the, on the refrigerator, uh, wherever you're going to look, but you do have to change it up uh, because otherwise it becomes wallpaper. But the things that can remind you to stay present, whatever it takes to, to remember this. I actually, here's a confession, I, the last couple weeks, have put in my sermon notes uh, reminders to stay present. Uh, in, uh, with God. It, it's right there. I don't know if you can see it or not, but it says, are you pre present? Are you present? Are you present? Can you see that? Can you see that? I don't know if you can or not. I can't. I, I, I can't. I, I, how do I get it so it faces it? 
There, there. Are you present? See it? Okay, I, that, I have that on every page. Every page. Are you present? Oh, yeah, the, 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 that, that was the one. I, I, I thought it was, I was looking over there. Okay, see? Are you present? Well, <laughs> what? Oh, sorry, Sam. Okay, are you present? And see, here's the thing. Here's the confession. Are you present? There you go. Okay, look at because the truth is that I found that one of the hardest times for me to remember that God is present and yielded to his presence is when I'm preaching. You would think yeah. the man of God preaching a sermon would just be so aware, intoxicated with God's presence. But I don't know if it's because you're all looking at me and, and others are listening to me. Or I, you know, but I find that my brain tends to just chatter about the content of what I want to say. You know, where am I in my notes? Oh my gosh, I, the pages are out of line. What am I going to do? What if I forget my next point or whatever? You know, it's, just, it's just giving the talk. Um, and so I, to stay present, I, I have to put in reminders. And, um, but it really helps. It's like, oh yeah, oh yeah, I got to stay present. And what I found is this. It takes a little bit of faith to let go of my control of my message. It's like my brain wants to say, you know, you put me in charge to remember all this content. And I have to let go of part of that to say, no, I'm, gonna, you know, I'm just going to be aware of God's presence. But I always find, and, and these authors, Frank Laubach and, and Brother Lawrence and, and Jean-Pierre Decassade, all say that you'll find that everything you do, you do better when you remember God's presence. You might think that being aware of God's presence is going to take you, your focus off of things. Uh, but as a matter of fact, God, being aware of God's presence doesn't compete with anything. It rather helps you stay tuned to the moment. You're, you'll find that you're better at talking with folks and doing different tasks if you do it in the context, the background context of God's presence. Well, the third, the third tip I want to give you is this, and this is very, very important. It's don't turn this into a contents. Don't turn this into some kind of a legalistic ought thing. Don't get frustrated with yourself. Uh, when you found that you've gone an hour or a day or a week or whatever, having totally forgot about God, living like a functional atheist, this isn't the time to beat yourself up on what a loser you are. No. Rather, look at that's past. The minute you realize it, it's past, which means that doesn't matter anymore. The only life you have is this one, so surrender this moment. Just start over again. Surrender this moment. And don't try to add up the score. That is also living in the past or anticipating the future. No, don't think about that. Just think about now. And now. And now. You see, the present moment, as Dick Assad says, is the only moment that matters. Frank Laubach says this, and this is my final quote. If you should forget him for minutes, minutes, yeah, or even days, months, weeks, don't groan or repent. Oh, I'm such a loser. But begin anew with a smile. Because at least you're remembering this moment. Every moment, every minute can be a fresh beginning. And that, that's, that's just what it's about. Moment by moment, training ourselves to be aware of God's presence. As the worship team comes up here, and as the ushers prepare to take up this offering, I want to ask the question, are you present right here, right now? We're here. I'm talking. You're listening. Ushers are preparing things. There's hustle and bustle around the room. But the most important fact to remember is that God is here. God, the almighty God, the creator God, the loving God is present. Closer to you this moment, this second, than your skin. Can you just be aware of that? Don't try to feel anything. This is a mystical experience. We're just getting our brains to get accurate. You know, it's true. We're just getting our minds to line up with what is true. Stay present. Stay present. I want to encourage you now, as we take up this offering, as an act of worship towards God, asking Him, the Spirit, to steward 
his resources in our life, try to stay present. As we sing these songs, attend to the songs and stay present, aware of God's presence. Uh, in worship times, unlike many times in life, you can actually forget everything else and focus exclusively on him. But it's about staying present. So Lord, right here, right now, we thank you that you are present. Uh, Lord, teach us to be a people who walk with that awareness, who grow in this awareness. Surrender to your presence. And be glorified now during this time of worship and praise. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. the foot of the cross where grace and suffering meet you have shown me your love through the judgment you received sing it out and you've won Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Amen. I'm thinking some of you, probably most of us, can just sense the atmospheric change that happens when you get a bunch of people together who are aware that God is there. Just remembering that and staying in that moment. Uh, it just unleashes a power. It's the kingdom. We're bringing the kingdom down by doing that. Uh, the kingdom's already here. We're just acknowledging it and releasing it. Praise God. Praise God. God is so good. He's beautiful. He's, he's, he's lovely. I'd like to ask the prayer teams to come forward. And if you're here this morning and have anything that, that is uh, just not in line, uh, whether it's physical or emotional or financial or whatever, uh, I encourage you to come forward and receive prayer for that. So with the prayer teams come down. Or if you just want to be at the altar here and spend time in prayer, or if you just want to sit at your seat and stay in the presence of God, aware of God's presence, feel free to do that as well. And I want to remind you, this Friday is the dance. Please make it out and be part of the, the kingdom party there. You can have a good time. Um, and remember to stay present. And whatever it takes to, to remember that. Walk in the presence. At all times, surrender to the presence. As we're dismissed here, on the gathering here, spend some time making people feel welcome. That's the first task of the kingdom. Welcome people in. Meet people. And as you do that, see them in the context of God's love. Like the air in the room, God is present here. And, 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 and as you're having a discussion, just be aware of God's presence. And watch how it changes. It just changes everything. Watch it. Uh, stay present. So Lord, we pray that you'd seal this message and this moment on our heart. Help us, God, not to live in our own head with our own chatter. Help us, God, to take the headphones off. Help us, God, to not be living in the past and the future, but to be aware of your reality in every present moment. Lord God, we surrender it to you right now and right now and right now. Help us to stay in that frame of mind 
and that heart as we leave this place to build your kingdom in Jesus' name and all God's people said. Amen. Amen. God bless you guys. I love you.